This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest philosophers to your fingertips. With more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Secret Life of Words, English Words and Their Origins. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Michael Warren. And Michael, looks like the New York Times has picked their GOP frontrunner for the nomination, and it's Senator Marco Rubio. Yeah, you uh, you would guess that based on the number of stories they've written about him, uh, exposés of Marco Rubio's uh, shady past. He's got all these parking and traffic violation tickets, and uh, he, he's made some, some bad investments, uh, and struggled uh, uh, to to pay for three mortgages and these sorts of things, and uh, all of that attention tells me he's he's obviously the front runner uh, for now, and this is Rubio's moment, and I think that's actually reflected a bit in the polls, and uh, we'll just have to see if that lasts. Uh, but for now, uh, if the New York Times says it, it's I guess it must be true. And you know, you could argue that this he's you know th- this attention he's gotten, which I'm sure he's not enjoying, is actually incredibly flattering, and also a uh, a fairly objective analysis of his strength as a candidate because no one thinks that anyone went to J school so they could wake up one day and write a story about Marco Rubio's wife's traffic tickets or Senator Rubio's powerboat. Yeah, well, you know, there's people have different dreams and I can't say what one journalist uh, might uh, have <laughs> a dream they'd be doing one day. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the Washington Free Beacon did did a lot of great work, uh, sort of exposing uh, on that traffic ticket story the the likely source of that story, which was the liberal oppo uh, opposition research group, American Bridge. Um, and, and you know, I, look, we all journalists sort of deal with this question of where's the the source of this information. I kind of take the the, the view that you know, information is information, really, no matter where you get it. Uh, but it is curious uh, that why the uh, the Times is so focused on Rubio right now. I think there's there's one suggestion that he's uh, he's clearly the, the one who's the most threatening to to Democrats, uh, at least as they see it right now. But think about where we were just a few months ago. Jeb Bush was the guy who was getting stories up there, you know, uh, in in the New York Times and the Washington Post, talking about uh, his wife's uh, jewelry and and these sorts of things. Now it's Rubio's turn. He's sort of getting uh, this this vetting through opposition, and uh, you know if traffic tickets and uh, you know paying eighty thousand dollars for a for a boat uh, uh, for a fishing boat, essentially a family fishing boat, not a luxurious uh, boat as the New York Times described it, but a fishing boat. Uh, if that's what they have, you know that's uh, Rubio has to be feeling uh, pretty good uh, right now. But you know again, three months ago it was Jeb. Now it's Rubio. In three months, uh, the New York Times may be trying to uh, uh, to, to tear down the uh, Republican presidential candidate of a candidacy of somebody else. Uh, so the good news for Marco Rubio is that he's perceived as so dangerous that the media need to go after him. But I think there's something else here, which is I 
I find the uh, the story about his money, Senator Rubio managing his money, a completely legitimate story. Unlike the traffic ticket story, which is totally bogus. You know, the headline. I loved how they conflated it: seventeen tickets between. Um, uh, Marco Rubio and Mrs. Rubio. Well, yeah, I mean, technically, I guess, but 13 of them were hers. He only has four over 16 years. I, th- I saw on Twitter someone saying uh, uh, Marco Rubio and uh, Dwight Eisenhower successfully invade <laughs> D-Day between the, you know, conduct D-Day invasion between them, which is true, I guess. I hadn't thought about it that way. Uh, Marco Rubio and um, uh, Tom Brady between them, you know, four Super Bowl rings, whatever. But, um, the story about the fact that he chose to go in debt at a time when you could argue it was fine so risky, the story about how the decisions he had to make to pay his bills, I don't find them determinant about how to cast a vote, but I, I think that's a legitimate – if you're running for, for president you want to deal with the federal fisc, I, think, I don't think that that story was actually out of line at all. I totally agree with you. I think it's, it's good information to know, you know what kind of uh, person really is he, and, and, and financial decisions – really tell you a lot about a person, someone who's standing up there saying, select me, you know, to be the leader of the, of the free world, the leader of the federal government, uh, the person who's going to be signing off all these budgets. Uh, we'd like to know, you know, how he's spending his money uh, uh, on a personal level. You hear this a lot from particularly Republicans, you know, who say, you know, if, we, you know, if, if your average family can balance a checkbook, we ought to be able to balance the, uh, the federal government. Uh, so I think if this if this uh, narrative takes hold that Rubio was was uh, was bad with money, you know that could be a problem in a Republican primary. You know, on the other hand, you look at uh, sort of his age, uh, where he was. You know, uh, 28 years old. Uh, there was the housing boom. Uh, not very few people sort of uh, uh, figured. And, and Florida, of course, was one one of the uh, epicenters of the housing boom and bust. Uh, he seems in many ways to be uh, a victim of that and a victim of maybe a little bit uh, of a more meteoric rise than uh, than he and his finances could keep up with. Uh, it's an interesting story. It's also a, a story in contrast uh, to uh, the Clintons, of course, who have used politics to enrich themselves for their entire careers. Uh, Rubio certainly hasn't uh, been able to uh, enrich himself, at least not yet, uh, from, uh, from this career. Uh, but uh, look, I totally agree. It's a legitimate story. We ought to be uh, interested in what all these candidates uh, uh, had to do. You know, Carly Fiorina put up every single one of her uh, uh, her financial disclosure uh, uh, forms and things like that for anybody to see. And so, you know, I, I'm all for more disclosure, more finding out information, not not less. And the question about Carla Fiorina and Hillary Clinton is. Hillary, we all know, uh, Michael, that Hillary would never release that information ever under any circumstances. The question is, would she not do it because she doesn't want to, because she's so arrogant, or because she can't, because it's so incriminating? That's the question. And that's what's got a lot of people on the Republican side frustrated as they go, look at this. They're giving as much coverage to Marco Rubio's boat buying practices uh, you know, the, uh, as they are to the uh, – uh, sitting Secretary of State collecting $26 million while the Secretary of State Department was recommending letting Swedish companies off the hook for dealings with Iran. One of those stories is a huge story that deserves in-depth coverage. The other is a kind of a throwaway, and yet they get the same coverage from the New York Times. I, well, I think that's a, a totally legitimate criticism, and it's one I find myself thinking about all the time. Whenever the Washington Post and the New York Times has a story like this, I think, what what would they do with a similar story, or what aren't they doing with similar or even worse stories about Democrats? 
and you could really sort of uh, uh, spend an entire weekend uh, figuring all these things out. I think it's it's important, uh, though, for particularly with such a broad Republican field, for Republicans to know as much about their candidates uh, as as possible. And uh, and and we can play the, the game of well, what about you know what about the Democrats? What about Hillary Clinton here? And I think that's all good and well. Um, uh, but you know th- that doesn't necessarily negate the questions. I think this is the point that you were making. Uh, negate the questions that people might have about the Republicans as well, even if they aren't as uh, egregious uh, as as some of the Hillary Clinton uh, uh, financial. Uh, I wouldn't say malfeasance, right. but suggestions of malfeasance. Uh, just to cover my uh, my. Uh, you know what here. So well, you're, I don't just being know. Ca- I, you're being unnecessarily cautious. But I want to ask one I last know. question on behalf of the we mere plebes out here in podcast world. We're not an inside the Beltway mover and shaker like you, Michael Warren. We don't <laughs> you know have cocktails on a regular basis with the uh, editorials uh, board members of the Washington Post. Are the people who are covering these Rubio stories embarrassed at all? I was surprised at how... Not, I wasn't surprised how much criticism the traffic ticket story got, but I was surprised how little defense it got. A few people tried to half-hearted attempts to say this is journalism. Uh, do, uh, two questions. Does the, the White House POTUS national media get what a joke these stories are? And are they ashamed at all, or are they so dedicated to the prospect of helping Hillary Clinton win that they just don't care that they in essence they've kind of absorbed the notion that everyone knows they're not in the journalism business that they're in the partisan you know Pravda business and they've made their peace with that I tend to think that a lot of this and because really what you're asking about is is bias in journalism and I think a lot of the the root of bias in journalism uh, has less to do with sort of a, a partisan uh, take although that is certainly the, the case in Certain among certain journalists who really did, you know, used to work for Democratic candidates or their spouses do that sort of thing. That's a that's a, a legitimate problem. But a lot of it has to do with sort of ignorance of not just conservatives and Republicans, but just a lot of things that aren't a part of their experience. You know, going from uh, wherever they are to to you know Ivy League college, Columbia School of Journalism. Uh, take the traffic ticket story. You know, if uh, I, I think my boss Bill Crystal made this point, if you're uh, a, a person who's never left New York City or haven't haven't driven out of New York City, uh, then that sounds like a lot of traffic tickets to have seventeen among two people. But of course, if you've if you've ever lived outside there, you know that that's actually uh, seems to be about one a year for for uh, several years in a row. So that doesn't seem that egregious. I I think that the biggest problem here is that people don't always uh, uh, journalists don't always realize what it is that they've stumbled across that it you know it's it, sometimes they miss it and they think oh this is not a big deal when in fact it is a big deal or they they get the reverse wrong and they they trump up something like uh, an eighty thousand dollar you know luxury boat and you turn out it turns out you look at the, the photo of it it's sort of a run of the mill uh, very expensive but you know run of the mill fishing boat that uh, that a lot of people in Florida probably buy uh, so I think it's it's really a problem of ignorance and 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 maybe. Uh, to, to use a phrase that was popular uh, among the intellectual folks about five or six years ago, epistemic closure, people who were sort of closed off in the bubble. So you know, go ahead and look that up in, uh, in your dictionary. Uh, I'm going to look it up too. Well, uh, I, I don't need phone. to look it up. I've solved the problem for this. I'm going to send these reporters a photo of Marco Rubio's boat next to John Kerry's yacht, the ah. one that he harbored in Rhode Island so that he could avoid paying his Massachusetts taxes while he was a senator 
from Massachusetts. So we'll but, send. But that. Michael, Michael, he had all the right opinions. So uh, you know, some things get forgiven, uh, and, and others don't. Uh, Michael Warren with the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.